Hi everyone. So I am here joined with Trace. Uh, Trace is a Vietnamese American singer born and raised in Fountain Valley, California. In 2016, Trace brought her first EP, Low, to life through a Kickstarter campaign. This four-track piece earned her comparisons to the West Coast Cole of Lana Del Rey and the R&B Kiss ruminations of James Blake, as well as over 30 million streams and her first record deal. In early 2018, Trace made her Ultra Records debut with her single, Blood and Bones, followed by two more singles, Side Eye, which was featured on the Faders Fall list of best new pop songs, and the song Anxiety. For the latter, Trace partnered with the nonprofit organization NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Health, to raise awareness on anxiety in the entertainment industry. So last year, Trace released her second EP, Like Hell, and most recently released her new song, Cool Woman, along with the music video, which is now out on streaming services. So, Trace, I am really happy to have you on. And I want to say that I connected with you through Instagram about two months ago, and I think it was through my uh, my now friend, uh, Milk. I'd like to call her my friend now. I think we've been talking enough. But uh, she's been a guest on my show, and we both shared our love for Kathy Park Hong, who's like one of my favorite authors. And I remember you actually caught on to that post and you shared it. And and looking into your profile, I saw a lot of the work that you've been doing. And I'm like, how did I miss that opportunity to hear about your music the past few years? And, uh, and I'm really glad. It's been a blessing because I have had your music on my playlist for this entire fall. And I think it's gotten me through the election. I can definitely tell you that. So... Thank you so much for being on. And I want to say, how are you doing today? And how are you doing through this wild pandemic that we're living in? Yeah, well, I mean, thank you for having me on, Andy. It's It's been a pleasure meeting someone like you. And for you to even have any interest in chatting with me, I'm like super excited and honored to be here. Um, you know, I feel like the question of, you know, how are you doing? My gut reaction is like, how is anybody doing? And it's almost this thing where I feel like we're communally going through something together and which feels kind of like weirdly nice. Um, personally, I feel today's a good day and I personally feel relieved that the election's over for the most part. Um, I feel like I, I'm trying my best in this time to be kind of present. And I think that is what helps me say I'm doing well because I'm usually a girl who lives in the future, who thinks about the future, who wants to live in the future. And I think with COVID and with the election and with a lot of things this year, we're kind of forced to slow down and just be here and to be grateful. And so I'm doing like pretty well considering. Yeah, I think it's it's almost hard to believe that we're in November right now and we're almost done with 2020 and everything that happened before the pandemic seems so long ago. Uh, I think that's just an understatement, uh, just even thinking about it. But I, I find myself reminiscing back on photos of my Facebook from last year. And I'm like thinking, gosh, it was so easy back then. I remember being in Boston around this time of year going to the Yayo Kusama exhibit. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then to see us kind of be trapped in this uncertainty is quite frightening. And as this year is about to conclude, so what has this year taught you as both an artist and as a Vietnamese American woman during the time of COVID-19, the anti-Asian racism and the civil unrest? 
What am I learning? Yeah, what has it taught you as an artist and as a Vietnamese American woman, especially during what's going on with COVID-19, but also with the anti-Asian racism that has been happening in our community and the civil unrest? I know it's a, it's a very... Oh my gosh. Topic, but. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, identity is always something that... No, that's not true. Identity is something that's been newly um, at the forefront of my mind even before this year with COVID, I think that I was really in a place in a season of really kind of digging deep at the roots of like where I come from, who I am, and what I, what that looks like in the industry. I haven't always been, I started music five years ago. I hadn't always been this woman who was like, I'm Asian American and let's, you know, be a face for that or whatever. And it wasn't until I realized that I was a sort of face of Asian American like music, I, I feel like that realization kind of put me into this deep um, place of contemplation. I think during this year, I've learned that I have to continue to be more comfortable with my thoughts and to really sit and think about just the type of artist and woman I want to be after this. I think that it's hard to kind of dis- differentiate the persona of like me as an Asian American and then me as an artist. Let's just say like Trace, like what has Trace learned in this season? And I think what I've learned is that I I need to be curious about the opportunities that I get to have doing my job. And then also being okay with the mystery of the industry next year and beyond, because I don't know what's going to happen. And so in this year I've, you know, like I can go on tangents of just, you know, when BLM stuff like happened and like the movement and I was really kind of thinking about the Asian American race in America. And that was like a time in the beginning of of, like COVID and quarantine where I felt pretty riddled with um, my role among my brothers and sisters and how we kind of coincide with the black community. And I was, and so when that happened in the beginning, I will say that my artistry was in the garbage because I was too sad to create. I was just busy lamenting my my role on this earth and how I have been with um, with people of all colors, but really the community of the Asian, specifically the Asian American community and their our relationship with the Black community has been a really interesting history lesson for me as I looked into like. The LA riots and all this like I never really knew a lot about that type that th- those events that kind of shocked and rocked my world a bit so it made me um passionate and kind of lit a fire under me to learn more about that while being creatively just like I can't right now there's more important things to do mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah and I I wonder uh prior to the pandemic, were you looking to be on the road? Because I know you had released uh, like Hell EP um, not too long before that. Were you looking to go on tour and were you looking to do other pro- projects uh, during 2020? And uh, what uh, what actually uh, were you going to do that ended up getting shelved for uh, 2020? Yeah, that's a good question because it reminds me of how um, grateful I am because when I released my EP last year at the end of 2019 I was finishing up my record deal and I was gonna you know leave the label and become independent again and to be honest I personally 
had this aha moment of, I, well, I don't know if it was an aha moment, but I really had to really reconcile my career because I, I felt, and this is like, this is not the truth and this is like a lie, but I did feel like a failure and I didn't really want to do music anymore. <laughs> I was like so crabby and just like, I can't believe I didn't get further in my career. Um, being with the label, you think that the label will change your life and it's like not guaranteed. And I think I learned a lot quickly and I'm grateful for the experiences for sure. I worked with really great people and thankfully I have a good team on my end. So like I never felt like mad or, you know, truly like disappointed, but personally I was kind of, kind of working through some things in my own self-worth and, so I was kind of being a brat and I actually felt, luckily I had a project, a new project kind of fall on my lap, which is um, not the most public thing, but I would love to tell you, I'm writing a film. And so I, during this time of lamenting my career and being really dramatic, I really wanted to see what else I could be doing. And I realized that my story in the industry and my mom's story, who I know we'll touch on later, but my mom being a famous Vietnamese singer, that's interesting. And I've always wanted to write a book about her. And I, I figured, let's do it this year. And then the book idea turned into a movie, which kind of has expanded into kind of my life too. So my plan for 2020 was to finish a screenplay and to get a movie pitched and on all that stuff. So music wise, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll like, write stuff, maybe I'll release stuff, I don't really know. And so I feel pretty grateful that nothing was really canceled for me. I have a lot of friends who had tours cancel and they lost a lot of money and people who just released albums and I can't imagine that type of loss um, on their end. But for me personally, I was kind of going another route and I was gonna write a film. And I know that I'm glad that you're actually doing, taking on the initiative to uh, do a film and uh, what uh, ways can you, I want to say, what ways can you uh, share, uh, how do you make that transition from being a person who's been doing singing, songwriting for a number of years to making that transition to screen uh, screenwriting and getting involved with film directing and do you see, do you see the film uh, taking on different characters? Is it more autobiographical? Autobi biographical I can't even talk today <laughs> do, you, do you see uh, a lot of the history that you've grown up with uh, inspiring this film that you're working on yeah I think that my when I tell people this like my close friends this and I'm like isn't it random I'm writing a film and they would be like no and I'm like well cool and I would I would kind of ask them why and they would say that I've always been a writer which is true so I, I went to school to be to be a journalist and so I've always been into editorial stuff like music was never the plan so I always wrote essays like I am I'm a writer and I, I love writing and I think when I learned how to songwrite that was like a whole new world for me so I do think the transition from being an artist to screenwriter has been kind of easy and feels natural it's definitely not easy, but it's not difficult. It feels like it's familiar. I just have to practice because it's it's not an easy feat to finish. It's easier to write a song than to write a movie. And so that's what I'm learning. But the jump has been kind of unnatural and I really enjoy 
switching formats. I think sometimes when I don't feel inspired to write a song, I can just go to my computer and write a short story and kind of get whatever I need to get out out. Um, so that's been good. And then yes, it's it's going to be auto fiction. So it's autobiographical with a little bit of just exaggeration and kind of switching up some in some facts to make it more interesting. And that has required, you know, a lot of trauma, like revisiting trauma and a lot of questions that I've asked my mom over lunch when I see her that I've never asked her before. And so there's, there's been a beautiful blessing of me being, learning a new language with my mom. And I think I'm not sure with most Asian American kids with their parents, I feel like for mine, my experiences have been my parents definitely didn't tell me anything, but they're definitely open to answer a question if I ask them. Mm. So, yeah. It's actually been a familiar narrative that I've been working on with the podcast earlier this year because it is the 45 year anniversary of the uh, of the the beginning of the uh, it was actually the beginning of the Southeast Asian migration. It was the beginning of the Khmer Rouge. It was mm -hmm ending or the fall of Saigon and the ending of the Laos Civil War. So it it was a very powerful moment in our community's history. And it and then when I think about that particular uh, milestone, 45 years, especially for anyone who's an adult, and I've been saying this a number of times, uh, the adult survivors are now, uh, they're seniors. They are 65 years and older. And um, you do bring up an interesting point here that I have been sharing with folks is that a lot of a lot of uh, people in our community, millennials and Generation Z folks, do not actually know the full story about their family's escape, uh, the migration uh, journey and the refugee resettlement trauma that also accompanied uh, after the uh, migration. So to hear to hear like stories from uh, the Holocaust, the Korean War, there's also this fear in our community. And this is a fear that I always have of mine is that we're going to lose a lot of our stories. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not being surfaced from our families. Mm -hmm. And that time is really not on our side. And I think this is a really critical part of how we engage in these conversations with our family members before we walk with question marks for the rest of our lives. And I think that's a very, that's a very powerful uh, reality that's confronting us in a way. I think that's really important that you're really uh, bringing this to your parents and working through your trauma, but also handling their trauma as well too i mean yeah. it, it goes both ways it's it's interconnected yeah. and intergenerational trauma is mm -hmm. an area that i always feel really does get passed on when your family uh whether it's your parents and your grandparents who have experienced direct conflict of war it does get passed on to uh subsequent generations even for people who have like you and myself have not experienced the uh the full effects of it so i i wonder I wonder how your mom or how uh, your parents, in a way, have been able to trust you to share their stories, especially if if you're doing a film or yeah. just through your music to you know share it and bringing bringing it to the surface. You know, I'll start off with my mom because my mom and my dad they each have different relationships with me. I'm very close to my mom, 
And my mom is like the ultimate extrovert, the ultimate, like she's the one that has told me, write my story, write my story, write my story. And I'm like, okay. So I think this journey with her and the film, she's been absolutely, absolutely encouraging and honest. And, you know, sometimes I'll have moments where I feel like she's not telling me the whole truth. And I feel like there's, it takes time to kind of chip away at something that I feel like people aren't used to sharing. I feel like my, you know, for instance, the other day I told her I was in therapy because I'm, I'm just trying to learn more about my emotions. And she was like, why? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and, you know, for me, it's like, I want to live free. And I, I'm not saying my mom doesn't live freely, but I think it's a different, it's a different, there's a slight difference in our parents and, and ourselves in terms of self-awareness and self-care, I think there's probably shame around that in her generation. And I think that for me, I wanna heal from things that I don't even realize I need to heal from, you know? So I think when I talk to my mom about certain things, she might not even know it, but she'll spark something in me that makes me think, huh, okay, that's, that's interesting. And then I kind of go back and write about it and see what kind of unearths. But in terms of the process of asking her questions, I kind of, we usually have lunch and I sit down my phone and I just press my voice recorder and I just have her talk and I'm, and she just tells me all the things. And some of the things I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable. And other things I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Or that sounds like something I would do. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't really worry about, um, I don't know if this is your question either, but I don't really worry about what she will think of what I create. I think that in general, if this makes sense, um, my mom just really, She's so supportive and encouraging. And though we're both in the industry, the American music industry is very different. And so she has no idea about it. She doesn't know what a manager does. She doesn't know what a lawyer is. You know, it's very, the Vietnamese culture is kind of just like, I don't know, it seems unprofessional for lack of better words. Like they don't, they don't know who owns what rights. You know, she's, she's very like, how do you write your own music? That's amazing. And I think she really like loves and, and trust what I'm, what I do. And so whatever I write about, I kind of like, hopefully she hears it and listens to it, but I definitely don't worry about, um, perhaps what my parents will think, you know, cause I have even a song off my last EP. That's very about my dad. And the words are very mean, not cruel, but mean and honest. And I'm sure he's never heard it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I didn't worry about it. So I don't know. That actually, what's that actually? It's uh, When I Was Young. When I Was Young. Yeah, that is actually one of my favorite songs. And uh, and also, I think another favorite song of mine that I listened to was All My Friends. Like When the lyrics, where did all my friends go? And I think that is a song that really resonates with me a great deal. Um, mm -hmm. And But getting back to your, to, uh, your mother, to your relationship with your mother. Now, how does she react when she hears songs like Anxiety? I know that this is a song that you've partnered with NAMI on. And uh, if, for folks who don't know what NAMI is, it's the National Alliance uh, for Mental Illness. And uh, my father has, you know, struggled with mental illness, being a Khmer Rouge survivor. And so yeah. I use NAMI to kind of have a better understanding of how to be a better caregiver to both of my parents, uh, yeah. especially uh, uh, parents who have survived uh, trauma. And I, I wonder about how does your mom react when she hears some of your more raw, vulnerable songs like Heavy Shoulders, Anxiety, and When I Was Young? You know, I have like two answers to that. The, the more like funny one is that 
my mom is like, what's anxiety? <laughs> and that kind of, kind of displays what I was talking about in terms of maybe parents not being able to work things out fully. I, I'm sure she has her own language around anxiety. And so when I, when I wrote that song specifically, she was just kind of like, are you okay? Are you sleeping all right? And I'm like, I'm okay. Like she doesn't really understand it. Um, unlike my father. So my father actually called me after I don't talk to him very often, but now I do, but I used to not, um, which we're happy about, but we used to not talk. And then he called me out of the blue last year and was like, what is this anxiety song about? And that made him call me, which was awesome. And he ended up telling me more about his struggles with mental health. So he really struggled with, with um, depression and anxiety mm. and panic attacks. And so that really opened up a conversation for my father and I, and we've been healing a lot since then. Um, so that's been a beautiful like trinket of, okay, this is why I write music. When it comes to like my mom in general with the songs that I write that do feel raw, it's been really cool to see my mom kind of grow into her ability to communicate with me and be a little bit feely emotion with me. Cause I'm a softy. I cry all the time. My mom's like this like rock because you know, she probably had to be during like the Vietnam war and all this stuff in her life. But she has recently in the last couple of years been, been very supportive and has affirmed me in my writing and has said to me like, the best thing she said to me ever was just like, I, under, I, I, I see what you're trying to do now and I hear you and the things that you say are gonna last a long time. And so she's very like, which made me like, I was, she was telling me while I was in the car, I was in traffic and then I was like crying because mm -hmm. <laughs> it was after my show and she came to my, my, my release show last year and she was just like, I totally get what you're doing now and you're gonna last a long time and you're not like everybody else which is a lot from a mom to say and then it's a lot from like an asian mom to say and it's a lot from an asian mom who's in her 70s to say yeah i wonder because especially with her professional background as a singer i can only imagine you feeling very intimidated and terrified mm -hmm. of of knowing that you want to sing but knowing that you have the shadow of your mom's <laughs> i mean her being known in the paris by night circuit yeah. uh being known in the Vietnamese community and and here you are going with a very different genre that she's not familiar with you mm -hmm. writing songs about vulnerability uh, taking on a genre that is as I mentioned earlier unfamiliar to both yeah. of your parents and also um, and also I think another thing to point out is that you're not singing Vietnamese songs you're singing English-speaking songs and for folks like myself and so many folks who live, Vietnamese American folks who live in America or um, live in the diaspora elsewhere, that is very powerful. Uh, I think that's very powerful. Um, it's, 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 it's so powerful because growing up, I never saw people like ourselves singing English songs. And if they were, they were like, you know, Vietnamese singers from Paris by Night, you know, mimicking or uh, doing cover songs but you don't see like our version of bob dylan our version of you know of marvin gay i mean you yeah. not see ourselves singing these english songs so i think it was very um it was hard to process and why representation in a way is important i mean you, you want to see mirrors of you want to see mirrors of 
of you in the music industry and acting and um, in different fields that go aside from being a lawyer, doctor, engineer, you know, mm -hmm. the typical fields. But um, I wonder what it was like for you to take on this, uh, take on this direction of being a singer songwriter, uh, writing your own songs, uh, making your own music and, and really being taken seriously by an industry that has often uh, dismissed Asian American women. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, you make such poignant observations. I feel like I love how you're, how you think, because it's what I hope most people can kind of grasp in the sense of you're right. Like it's such another culture doing music in America and it's not, familiar in the Vietnamese culture. And I thought, I mean, this thought came to mind, but like my mom told me like a couple months ago, she's like, your dad doesn't really like your music. He doesn't really like your music. And I was like, that's fine. And she was like, he just doesn't get it. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> like he, you know, and that I don't take that personal. I'm like, A, I don't really care, <laughs> but, but B, I mean, I really care what my mom thinks, you know, and I think my, and I think my mom can say now that she gets it, but to answer your question, hopefully I didn't lose it in my head. I think that when I started music, I really didn't think about the pressure. I think that I created out of a place of complete shock that I was doing this. I was first just trying to get over the fact that I chose music. I was like, no, growing up, my mom would always say that I was a singer to her friends and you know, the Vietnamese community, what they knew was that I was Carol Kim's daughter so that means that I could sing probably and that I could be a Vietnamese star. And my mom would say, do not, <laughs> she would say this to me at a young age when I had no interest in singing, but she was like, if you sing, you will sing for the Americans. Like you're not singing Vietnamese. And I'm like, okay, ma'am, like whatever that means. But I get what she meant by that in the sense that the industry in America, again, is super different than Vietnamese. And my mom has always said to me, you can be big if you want in Vietnam. If you want to do Vietnamese music, you can be instantly big. You can go on Paris by night as my daughter, like all that stuff that really is true with like nepotism and like, oh, like you're Carol Kim's daughter, of course, like you can sing. And I had no, I had no interest in that because I, that's just not my style, you know, it's clear. And so I think when I did music my own way and in my own lane, I didn't feel pressure. I didn't feel the weight of my role. I'm feeling it more now, which makes me laugh and it makes me feel honored and it makes me work harder in certain ways because I didn't realize when I started music that people were looking up to me, especially like young Asian American girls. Like now that I have met some at shows when I went on tour, I definitely cry about it all the time in like the green room and just meeting girls who are excited to meet me, asking where I'm from that really didn't hit me until like later in my career. So the no pressure helps when you're, just, when you're doing something new um, and being a woman in the industry, that was like your second part of your question. I, I'm grateful that I'm not 21 because I feel like going into the industry that's very heavily male dominated. I, no offense, I know so many young artists who are very, very talented and this is, it's hard to be, I don't want to be ageist about this, but I do feel like stepping into this industry later in life, quote unquote, um, I felt like I, know, I knew who I was, 
you know, I didn't ever feel, I had, thankfully I've never experienced anything that was scary in a, in a studio room or awkward or whatever. I know people and I have friends who have had bad experiences and, hmm. but as a woman coming into this later in her life or whatever, um, I, I see the challenges and I like a challenge. I like, I kind of like when things are a little bit hard. So I, I'm encouraged to kind of be a part of something that might shake something up. What was the process in writing your first EP? I, I know that this was do a Kickstarter, but you um, had the courage to be like, okay, I am ready to make an album now. Uh, <laughs> but what was the whole journey like uh, as you were uh, doing this a particular album, which also included the song Low, which became a yeah. hit, which I, I'm pretty sure was very unexpected from your end because uh, yeah. I know like when you're doing a Kickstarter, it's like you're, you're trying to get funding for this project. You're trying to get studio time. You're trying to work with collaborators um, and getting uh, distribution. But I, I wonder what that journey uh, was like when you had to create this album and, and, uh, and what level of, of anxiety were you confronting and all and the imposter syndrome the scarcity mindset that kind of plays into <laughs> process as an artist but I, I wonder what got you through those hurdles to complete that uh first album yeah I, I will say that purity and like being so new to something is precious and I would encourage anyone who's new at anything to just go because you are so free I would say that I probably struggled more with imposter syndrome now than I did before. Um, so how that worked, how the beginning of my music career kind of sparked was truly when I, I wrote my first EP on a guitar in college. I wrote it to myself, to my bedroom wall. I never sang it to anybody. I just wrote, I just wrote songs because I love to write. So I wrote these songs. And then years pass, I moved to LA, I become an editor at a magazine, I'm living life, I'm working hard, it's a startup. And a friend of mine from college asks me to sing on his album, and I was like, uh, I've never done that, but sure. I, I love doing things that I've never done before because there is no pressure and there's only room to like, to, to grow and, and to know. And so I sang on his album, He's a very good artist, so I trust people when they tell me things. So if you're like a talented person and you're like, yeah, you got talent, I'm like, I believe you. Um, so it's trusting the right people. Basically, I ended up kind of loving it. And then I decided that I wanted to try it out. And so I was like, I have some songs, like maybe I'll do a Kickstarter. I was working like overtime at my current job. But to be honest, my career that started, you know, in 2016 happened because of the people around me in that time and the timing of things. So I had songs, I did a Kickstarter. The Kickstarter worked because I had a lot of good people in LA who were, who were in the creative community who came to the backyard show. And they were like, you sing? I'm like, I don't know, I think. And then they came and I sang, I don't even remember, it was a blur. I'm sure I didn't move because I was nervous. I was nervous, of course, like since day one but I never felt like an imposter. It was more just like, hey, I'm gonna test this out. If it works, then it works. And when I got my Kickstarter and when I got a friend to agree to produce my, the songs that I wrote in my bathroom, I just took those as like the signs that were saying go. And it was like confirmation from people. And I did it and then 
that kind of just dominoed into meeting my first manager and then meeting this small this sub label who signed my first single low meeting people at Spotify who asked for a meeting with me because they were like, your songs are on everyone's playlist. And I met someone um, who's a good friend now and she was at Spotify and she was like, how are you on these playlists? And I was like, I don't know. Like, she's like, let us help you. How can we help you at Spotify? And I was like, oh, well, I'm doing a Kickstarter and I'm going to have an EP. You know, like everything just kind of worked. I think that how it happened was just my, my yes, my yes and my, reaching out to people because I hustled. I like, I, I emailed everyone to like debut my first single when heavy shoulders came out for the first time. No one knew me. I thankfully had a friend who had a friend who worked at Hilly Dilly and they wrote about heavy shoulders. And, you know, in 2016, that was when blogs had weight and 2016 was when SoundCloud had weight and 2016 was when Spotify was new and like, artists, Spotify, like music, Spotify artists was new and everything was popping off that year. I jumped in at a very good time. Mm. And did you ever expect uh, the reaction that Lo got, um, the, the EP and wow. single? And did it also, wow. in a way, intensify the pressure as you were working on Like Hell uh, a few years after? Yeah, I mean, you know what's scary to admit that I, I I know that I wrote low from a place of sincerity and of wholeness for sure, but I don't remember the process. I don't remember. I wasn't in the room when they were mixing it. I don't know. I don't know what mixing was in 2016. So I think the success of something so shocking definitely put on this weight for my, my next project because now I know what I can do. You know what I mean? I think before I released my first EP, I had no idea what I could do, could do. I was like, I'm new, like, does this even work? And then it works and you're like, holy crap, I can't believe this. And then you kind of have this, I wouldn't say ego, but it's super tough to experience success sometimes because it's super irresistible to not do the same, to not hold yourself up to that, you know, for the next round. It's impossible to be like, no, it's cool. I'll just start again from zero on my next project. You kind of just keep climbing and you're like, I have to get more. I have to be better. I have to, with me anyways, I was in that trajectory, which can be really scary because at the end of the day, on a very healthy day, I'm really grateful and proud of my, my last project and it didn't do as well. <laughs> and that's okay. But there was definitely a lot of pressure when I released it, like in my soul. I think, sure. I think we can change that. I've been putting that on my repeat <laughs> for quite a while. So, now, Thanks, I, Randy. I think Appreciate it. I think because of the pandemic and you not being able to promote the album, you know, with not being able to tour, I mean, it does affect a lot of artists. Um, yeah. And right. I think that um, hopefully um, people will be able to catch on to this work. I think it's a brilliant, uh, uh, brilliant uh, piece of art that you uh, shared with us. And, and uh, besides from doing film, are you also looking to do additional music projects? Are you looking to do another EP? Because you released the song, Cold Woman, which I would love to talk about, but are you currently also looking to add to uh, to that uh, new song? Yeah, I would love more than anything to release, to write and complete and release uh, a full-length album. You know, I think our, our world of Spotify singles is 
doesn't really appreciate albums. I'm a little bit old school because my favorite, favorite artists only do albums. And so I think in a world, if money wasn't an issue, I would devote my whole like 24 seven um, to do an album. That being said, during COVID, I've been writing music and, and you can do a lot with a little, I know that, and I'm learning to use programs and I'm, I'm writing a lot. And so, yes, I hope to release music in general. I would love to finish an album because I don't know. I say this in a very, like, I, I hope humble way, but I've, I like the music I've done, but I almost feel like you haven't seen nothing yet. Like I want to, I, I feel like, I feel like the, like I haven't, I haven't given you my best yet, you know? And I, I, I really believe that. I, I love my songs. I don't connect with them. I don't connect with all of them today. I, I love who they are. And, but the new songs I'm working on, I'm just kind of like obsessed with. And I just feel like I've changed a lot as a person. I've changed a whole lot and healed a whole lot in the last year even and that has really shifted my writing even my singing feels a little different which is kind of funny to say um but yes working on new music like always because it's I can't not and I've learned that what artists uh, have influenced your work well I've I always talk about her because I just love her so much but I do love Feist a lot oh, yes I remember yeah, we love a feist. I also like really appreciate Frank Ocean and his artistry. You know, like I love artists who just kind of are these otherworldly people who you're like, I don't know how. Um, I love the national. It's like I grew up, you know, on like the indie folk scene. So I really love like a folk song, like Bunny Bear. I love like, you know, like people like that. Um, it's hard to it's hard to have influences of today because I feel like there's just so many artists, a lot of great artists, but I, I also I, I've I've hearkened back to like a lot of the artists that I listened to in like the two thousands. So. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think because I kind of feel that way too, because I get very nostalgic when I listen to indie music of the two mm -hmm. era. Um, I also I also think like I could definitely see some influence from the weekend uh, in, in your music. Mm -hmm. too. That's another one I've I've kind of been listening to his music on and off, and I'm like, oh, I, I get that vibe too. Lana Del Rey, which makes a lot of yeah. Um, yeah. And and also like when you. Uh, is there a particular genre that you're looking to tackle on as well that that's been different from what you've already been doing? Yeah, that's a good question. I I want to do all those genres. I I definitely feel like I'm stepping a little bit away from electronic. Um, I've never been a dance artist, but I was signed to a dance label, which is funny. Hmm. Um, but I think I'm I'm really just appreciating the electric guitar. So I feel like the new stuff I'm working on feels a little more, uh, I, this word's not the right word, but like more rocky, <laughs> but like a little more alternative, like indie, but like definitely like a sad electric guitar is, is, is present in my, in my new songs. I, I would love to dabble in the future um, in like more R&B. I really appreciate R&B. I love R&B artists that seems like a very hard thing to kind of pull off as I've been trying to over the last three year. Um, but yeah, I also want to hop around and maybe like one day kind of veer towards like old school country and do a Patsy Cline vibe. Like I just really, 
I'm trying it all right now. So we'll see what works. And so what has been the response from the Vietnamese community, like among your parents' generation who have seen Paris by Night for a number of years, have they also caught on to your music? And I know uh, your music is a very different audience, but I, I wonder how the Vietnamese community has responded to uh, your music, but also uh, you mentioned earlier about other younger Asian Americans who have seen, your, uh, seen you perform, but um, do you see a sense of responsibility to uh, to be the voice. I think it might be unfair to be quite honest with you, but to uh, mm-hmm. but I know that there's not too many Asian Americans or Vietnamese American artists out uh, when I look at my Spotify list. So I, I wonder, are you also looking to help or, or have you been working with other Asian American artists as well? Yeah, um, I think in terms of the Vietnamese community, I don't have much of a pulse on their thoughts on me. I only know what my mom's friends say. <laughs> and my mom will just send YouTubes to her friends and posts on, on their Facebooks and stuff. And her overall response has been like, they think you're very cool and that they, they're very, you know, Asian people, they're kind of like very blunt, but they would, my mom would say like, they, they say, wow, she can sing. So I think, I think that they are perhaps in, entertained by something that they're not familiar with and they're like oh wow that's cool like that's cool so I think it's surprising to them I don't I don't like my mom brought three of her friends to my show and they loved it you know it's like these Vietnamese women who don't speak English like much and they enjoyed the music they enjoyed the beats like I think like a lot of Vietnamese people they're like my mom in that my mom always wants more like beats <laughs> she's like more beats, more dancing. And I'm like, mom, I am a Bob Dylan girl. You know what I mean? And she grew up like Tom Jones. Like she listened to disco, which is awesome. But I'm the other way where I'm like, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan. And she's like, why are you so sad? I'm like, I don't know. You know, so I think, I think the community is responding in a, in a curious way. And I think they do enjoy it. Or Kan Lee, you know, who is like a Vietnamese folk artist too. Yeah, right. Music was also influenced by her too, because she has such a powerful narration in her songs. I mean, I don't understand Vietnamese very well at all, but I can, but there's such a historical storytelling in her music. And it's also very chilling for me, because every time I think of the Vietnam War, the first music that comes from that soundtrack is Khan Lee. And I I always kind of wonder if some of that kind of influence influence you in some way yeah i didn't i didn't grow up listening to any vietnamese music i only listened to my mom (laughs) so i wasn't really sure but i i my mom sang a lot of songs and she had she had some hits and the ones that i that i knew by word like by each word and it was in vietnamese so like i learned I, i speak vietnamese but i i learned vietnamese music and i could sing certain songs of hers in vietnamese and they were the slower, sadder, more emotional songs. And so it's always, it's in there. I think, I think it's always been a part of who I am. I think my mom's just more, I think the community in general, they just don't want to listen to sad music because they're already, it's already been sad enough. Right. And so, and I understand that. So like, I understand where my mom's coming from. And so I feel like the community so far has been receptive and like encouraging of me. Um, and in terms of just, you know, fans and people and the question that you asked about kind of the responsibility and how maybe that's not as fair. Um, you know, I love pressure. 
And I also love, um, I love being e equipped. I feel, I feel like I'm equipped to hold something as heavy as, as, as growing a music industry for certain people who have felt unseen. I think I definitely do music because I want people to feel less alone. And I think that it works. And I think that I know what music has done for me. And so I suppose I look forward to seeing what my role can evolve into because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't plan on, I can't, and I don't plan on saving every Asian American girl, you know, but I think truly it starts with just your audience and whoever's here to listen. Like I'm super honored and I hope in general people feel like they belong. I think that's the core of wanting to see yourself. Like you were saying earlier about like not seeing your, like yourself out in the industry in films and sports and music. It's like, you start feeling like you don't exist if you don't see it in the media because our world is so focused on pop culture and the zeitgeist. And so for me to kind of very small, like infiltrate that is, is awesome. And I hope I, I want to do more. That's why, that's why I even toy with the thought of doing pop music because I'm not a pop singer, but I want to be, I want to be known, you know, I want to be, I want to, I definitely want to be a name and I plan to be, but I don't know how. <laughs> and so I'm here for it. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And are there other Asian American artists that you've been listening to that you that have caught your attention? Yeah, I, well, I mean, Milk is my good friend. I met her last year and I really respect her artistry and her storytelling. And she makes me feel like lazy. <laughs> I'm like, geez, you do so much. Um, I really love her. And I'm glad to call her a friend. And I'm actually working with a an artist. I think that was your question earlier too, with an Asian American artist. He's super talented. I feel like I can't say anything yet because it's not public yet, but get ready. Um, so I'm working on a, a song with him and I'm super excited for his project because I really respect him and think he's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I love Mitski, you know, I'm down for Mitski. I, I, Joji, big fan of Joji, like anyone in 88 Rising, I'm like, if you're listening, can you guys accept me, please? They're just so cool. They're just so cool. And I'm like, can you guys sort of say hi to me? I don't know. <laughs> and also, uh, really, uh, your new song, Cool Woman, is really um, just an amazing music video. I, I saw it and I played it a number of times. And there's such a swagger about you in that video, too, that there's an unapologetic presence that you exude in that video. But I would like to know, um, more about that journey of writing that song, but also doing the music video, because I've seen a few music videos where in like in the past when I saw anxiety, it's very um, dramatic, it's very slow moving. Mm -hmm. And Cool Woman kind of has part of that inspiration, but it also has such a unique, um, I don't want to say avant-garde, but it has such a metaphoric way of, of uh, pointing things out that not everyone could see immediately, but it kind of keeps people guessing what it might be. Yeah. But I would like to get your take on, you know, doing that video, um, doing that video and the song. Yeah, I, I love that you noticed that. And that's cool that that comes across because I think my goal, if I can do a music video for every song, I would, if I could do a short film for every song, that'd be so fun. Um, with a cool woman, 
I had, I was hands-on with, you know, helping directing with my friend and, and really had a vision of kind of what you just said. Like there's less seriousness to it because I'm learning to take myself a little less seriously. And I think that I wanted to capture, like, I hope, like you said swagger, which I'm like, thank you. But I really hope to kind of capture, like, it takes someone, I think it takes your, it takes to, it takes like a lightheartedness to be confident. And I want to show that. I'm like, I will make fun of myself until the end of time, but I hope you know that I like, I'm so, I'm so sure of who I am and how I am. And Cool Woman was written because of some dude. And, you know, I can always turn a song about some guy into an actual statement of who I am, which is like, I, I know who I am and I don't want anyone to kind of, to kind of affect me in ways that it used to. And so I wanted this video to show that those ten, the tension between like, being very like, I don't care to like reject it <laughs> and being able to laugh at yourself, you know, and like literally trying like the whole video, as you probably have noted, like I'm trying to get the attention of somebody the whole time. And he has no idea I exist in it. And I'm like, okay, fine. At least I look hot and I'm dancing and I'm drinking. So I don't care. <laughs> so yeah, I hope I, I hope I did it well. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. And, um, and also I think it's a good time uh, especially for a women artist in the wake of me too where there's more agency for art mm -hmm. for women artists to um to create their art on their own terms and yeah. also call out the toxic culture that has uh that has uh harmed women for mm -hmm. as long as men or humankind has been around uh so i think this is this is a very pivotal time where uh the, after the, in the aftermath of the election where Kamala Harris is now the first uh, uh, biracial black Asian vice president and uh, Trump having to deal with him for the past four years of seeing so much toxicity that came out of it. We are also seeing the emergence of women uh, artists, leaders who are taking the mantle and, and trying to carry this country through uh, the dangers that have happened through the administration and also with the way that our climate's been affected and and yada 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 but it's uh but i think it's very important that your song really brings that out too and uh, do you see yourself doing more of these songs that kind of empower yourself but also uh for other asian american or women in general yeah i mean i'm glad you pointed that out because that's that that was a, a better poignant reason to why i wrote the song <laughs> because i did i did pivot it into the the, the, the fact that women are very cool. Like, I love women. I feel like, I just think we're so cool. I love us. I don't think we're better than men. I just think we're awesome. And equality, equality, equality. But I, I love being able to, to, to release music and write music when it is, when it synchronizes with the culture. You know, I think, I think when I wrote Anxiety, it was interesting to see other songs come up of people. Like I think Selena Gomez released a song called Anxiety after me. And I was like, hey girl, like you're welcome. You know, like I made a joke, but I do like writing things that are relevant in our culture and in our, in our society. And so as, as it is important to kind of remain a voice as a woman, I feel like 
anything I write is just going to be a song for women. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think like it doesn't have to be as blatant as being called cool woman, but I, I kind of made it into that. But the next song that I think I'm releasing soon is, is doesn't have to do with women, but it definitely has to be, it has to do with, I guess, the human, like the humanness behind feeling the way you feel. And I think that's the importance of just creating work. It's like, I hope everyone connects to my music. Like that's the point. But when I'm able to kind of specifically channel it as a woman who's Asian American, like I'm here for that. Wow, that's incredible. And when we, before we wrap things up, I want to give you the opportunity to have you plug any of your uh, works, any, where can we find you? And uh, where else can we be looking forward to? I know you got a film that's going to be, uh, that's currently in the works. I know you're currently uh, releasing new music. Anything that you would also would like to uh, share with us and how we can find you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm Trace on Instagram. I would love to meet anybody who wants to say hi. I have no followers on Twitter, more Twitter friends, um, which is listen to Trace on everything else, um, but just Trace on Instagram. And, you know, my music's on every platform and depends on what you listen to. I would love to see you on Spotify. That's my main platform. I have music videos on YouTube. I'm... I just want people to hear the songs, you know, I want people to connect and I want to hear how they connect to it. I, I'm really grateful for my, my, my level of career because I get to actually engage with everybody. You know, it's not like I have like millions of or hundreds of like messages in my inbox. So I'm super here to, to say hi. And it makes me so happy when people really connect to the music. Yeah, I want to say thank you so much for being on my show today. And I really look forward to hearing uh, your future projects that are coming out. I think that you, in the past five years, have really um, just done some incredible work. And I really enjoyed listening to your music, as I've said, you know, which I'll say ad nauseum. And I hope mm -hmm. that everyone here gets the opportunity to listen to the low and like how EP and also the other songs that are on her Spotify. And um, we could also listen to it on Apple Music, I assume, right? Yes. yes. Title, Apple. Great. That's amazing. Yeah. And I look forward to it and really best wishes on your journey. And thank you so much for sharing your story and, and send my best wishes to your mom as well. I will. Thank you so much, Randy, for this, this time of chatting. It was such a pleasure. Thank you.